If you turn to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Thank you, guys. When you have it, say, I got it. Amen. And it reads there, the lamp of the Lord searches the spirit of man. It searches out his innermost being. Father, I, I thank you for your word, for, for your love, for, for salvation. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would prove your word once again, that you would walk up and down the aisles, touch each life. Lord, and, and even now begin to heal bodies, heal livers, pancreas, back, legs. I pray that you would move and touch each life, that you would comfort those who are afflicted and afflict those who are comfortable. I pray that you would move in signs and wonders in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So um, for some time now, I've been doing a, a, a very intense study of, of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to try to share some of that. Because uh, I believe the Holy Spirit is the, the most neglected person of the triune God. You know, we, we talk about Jesus, and the Bible is clear. We lift up the name of Jesus, and the Bible says that all men will be drawn unto him. We give glory to the Father, and sometimes the Holy Spirit just kind of left, left out, which is, to me, they're very dangerous, uh, because um, Jesus is no longer here. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Now think about that. We were so bad, God had to pray for us. So he's there. And, but it, it is the, the Holy Spirit. He is the operating agent here on earth. Nothing you do is accomplished unless the Holy Spirit is doing it through you. People say, oh, what would Jesus do? We already know what Jesus does. Read the gospel. In fact, I don't really care what Jesus do because I know what he would do. I'm more concerned. What are you going to do? And so, as the Holy Spirit is neglected, and you know, if you look out throughout history, you'll see that Christianity moves from place to place. It never stays in an area. It began in Jerusalem, persecuted, moved to Istanbul, which is, and then after that, it left Istanbul, went to Rome. From Rome, it left, went to England. From England, it left. And you see the move of the Holy Spirit. In fact, they have said that Europe, most of Europe is now godless because the power of the Holy Ghost moves. Today, most theologians and historians agree that the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit is now in three places, Africa, Latin America, and Asia. Why? Because people neglect the Holy Spirit, and he is a gentleman. He is not going to enforce himself. You have to invite him in. In Psalm 51:11, King David writes a, a scripture, and, and reads like this, Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Now that whole chapter is a very profound chapter. King David penned these famous words in the aftermath of, a, of his disastrous affair with Bathsheba. The adultery led to a cover-up. The cover-up led to a murder. The murder resulted in the death of a newborn baby. 
In fact, the adultery led to the eventual crumbling of his empire and a slow collapse of his family. When he finally came, and when, rather, when he finally reached the bottom, David cried out to God. From the depths of, of, of humiliation, through the, through the moans and, and, and pain of utter despair, he cried out, God. See, repentance has no excuse. Right? You can't say, oh, God, you know, this, the wife you gave me. Or, or God, my husband, he's a dog. That's why. No, no, no. Repentance has no excuse. So when you come to the end, you understand one thing very clearly as you're walking with God. If you're going to meet and really walk with the Holy Spirit, there's no more passing the buck. It's you. It's always been you. But now you realize it's you. See, when he finally came to his senses, he realized his sin was treason against God. Huh? Treason. See, adultery was simply the outward expression of an inward mutiny against the Lord. So it revealed itself. So Psalm 51 is perhaps the best picture in all the Bible of what repentance really looks like. In verse 3, he says, For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. See, when you're repenting, you know what you did. It's not, I didn't know. No, no. You know. And when you're repenting, that ugly sin is reminding you how ugly you are. I know. Verse 4, David confessed how deeply the sin had stained his life as if dro dropping coffee on a white pair of slacks. Hmm? See, he begged to be forgiven in verse 7 through 9. And he goes, forgive me. And he wanted to be cleansed from the inside out. Then he pens this great line in verse 10. Created me in pure heart and re renew a steadfast spirit within me. This brings us to verse 11. David prayed not, not to be cast from, the, from God's presence and asked that the Holy Spirit not be taken from him. See, some people think that the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. Well, the Holy Spirit has always been here. The proof is King David pleading, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. So what would have happened at Pentecost, it was, it was given freely to all, but the Holy Spirit has always been here. Hmm? So here he is, he's crying out, don't take your spirit. See, and what David, what haunted David was he witnessed the Holy Spirit depart from King Saul. King Saul was his predecessor. And the Bible says that he was a handsome man. Head and shoulders above the rest. When you look at him, you saw royalty. Man, that guy looks like a king. He walks like a king. He smells like a king. Right? He had the look. And David remembered from that high porch, he began to fall and, and go down and go down. See, the vessel emptied of the Holy Spirit becomes a new home of an evil one. David remembered what happened to Saul. The violent change in personality. David understood that once the Holy Spirit left Saul, he was never the same, ever. David prayed that what happened to Saul would not happen to him. He knew that if the Holy Spirit left him, he would effectively been 
finished. Now that I got your attention, the Bible in Proverbs 20, 27 reads like this. The lamp of the Lord searches the spirit of man. It searches out his innermost being. Because we're talking about having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And what I have witnessed, that most people can actually come to church, study the Word of God, and do all the, the logistical moves, uh, right? Going through all the patterns and really not have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. They can just move along, go through the motions. And the Bible says in Proverbs 20, 27, that the lamp of the Lord searches the spirit of man. It searches out his innermost being. That lamp of the Lord references the Holy Spirit. It's like a bright lamp that goes from one room of the heart to another. Now think about that. He goes deep. Because I remember when I first came to the Lord, I, didn't, I wasn't asking for a lot. I, I just, I couldn't stop getting high. I told, I told Deborah many times, I won't do that no more. And then what happened next week? What, you know how we do it? Then you get busted and say, I'm sorry. And so, so I couldn't, I, I just couldn't. And I go, man, I got to stop. So after I got saved, man, I go, wow. And then I didn't, I didn't get high no more. I didn't smoke dope, didn't drink. I mean, instantaneously, right? And I didn't want to stab nobody. I go, wow, I'm like Jesus. I thought, I really thought, I was like, I'm like Jesus. I don't want to stab nobody. And I ain't getting high. Whoo, I got it down. No, shoot, right? Then all of a sudden, he said, God said, oh, no, 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 no. You don't get credit for being normal. I said, whoa. He, then he went, he, see, what happened, he, when he first comes in, it's like coming into the foyer. He just walked into the foyer of my heart. And he cleaned it up because, you know, the first impression is, is, the, is the lasting impression. So I imagine God said, you know, you're, you're, too, much, you're, too, much, you're too crazy. You talk stupid. You need, you need to shut up. And he's been slapping me around. I got to clean up your foyer. So he cleaned up my foyer. But now it was time to get deeper. So he goes to every room, every room, searching out. Then I begin to pull things out and say, yeah, but you're still a little conniver. You're a jiver, right? You know, come on, and, and then you got to watch your neck. Because you know how men, men are rubberneckers, you know, no more rubbernecking. I know some of you guys be all. Right? He wants to get the, he wants to put some cement in your neck. Come on, ladies. See, ladies don't rubberneck. They go like this. But they be looking too. See, God, God, he got to get deeper. He wants to change things in you. Yeah, you know, you used to lie a little bit, lie, jive, connive. You got to get the liar and the jiver and the conniver out. So he gets deeper. And then he, you think you're getting better, then he finds another room. Well, I'm not doing that no more. And, oh, yeah, we got that. We got deeper. But he goes in another, another room. From room to room, the lamp begins to put a lime, a bright lamp. See, searching out those things, even your conscience cannot discover See, you can't trust your conscience. God goes beyond the conscience for several reasons. First of all, many people have seared their conscience. In other words, they really don't have no concept or conviction. And the world is always in the process of trying to sear people's conscience. In World War II, the German army would do this to their SS soldiers. And these were the most brutal soldiers on earth. They would take them into rooms for studying tactics. And on the walls of the room, they would put pictures all on the walls of, 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 
of people being shot or hung. And as they progressed over the year of training, they go to the next room and the pictures became more gory and gory. Until finally, when they're finally finishing their training, the pictures on the wall were of people being beheaded by other soldiers, of people stabbing babies with, with swords, and it was getting uglier and uglier to the point that when these soldiers graduated, they were able to effectively do the same thing that the pictures were teaching them. And they seared their conscience. See, and I share this because that's why I, I don't watch horror movies. Now, I'm not a movie critic. That's your thing. Do what you want to do. I can't tell you who to sock it to, right? That's your thing. Right? But this is why I don't do it. I, I alluded to it earlier that my mother was involved in witchcraft all my life. She would put icy spells, demonic activity, all my life. That's why I became a dope dealer because witchcraft comes from the word pharmakia, which is dr drugs. And pharmakia is just basically drugs. So when you're dealing dope, you have that spirit of witchcraft on you. So all, all my brothers were dope dealers. I was a dope dealer, and my mother was a witch. So I understand the, the, that, that realm. And so because of that, I don't watch those type of movies. Why? Because there, there's a sensation that happens when you watch these horror movies. They begin to activate a part in you that was created by God for your benefit. But he begin, you, you feel that ugly feeling? See, that was intended for you to be able to sense the, the spiritual realm. But most people are desensitized. They don't know. And they can walk into a room and never know there's a demon or anything around because they're so, they're so desensitized by what they've exposed themselves to, they're no longer sensitive to the things of God. So I don't, so I don't play with that stuff. Maybe because I understand the reality. Some of you think you're just having fun. Well, go ahead with your bad self. I'm going to pray that the devil reveal himself to you and scare the hell out of you. Because that's nothing to be playing with. The conscience. See, one could actually be a moral sociopath, unable to know right from wrong. Now, conscience is a good guide, but it's not infallible. The Holy Spirit sees and knows every thought and the intent of the heart. So you've got to be careful. See, Pastor C would call it stinking thinking, right? So nothing is hidden from him. Like a blazing light, the Spirit of God exposes everything and sees everything. The Holy Spirit drags the deepest secrets out of the closet and exposes them to the light of God. Now, you understand, what I'm telling you here, he will not do that to embarrass you. That's not his job. He, he, that's a strange word. He doesn't want to embarrass you and expose you. No, no, no. He tells you these things so that you would get it right. Take care of it. Do it right. And he's exposing it to you not to harm you, but to cause you good. Because his job is to bless. He loves to bless. He has plans for you, to prosper you, not to hurt you. Right, plans. So he begins to expose. If you allow the Holy Spirit to come, he will expose areas so you could change. See, if God doesn't, well, that's a different story. See, people say, well, God doesn't deal with me yet. You better be glad he don't deal with you. God doesn't deal with people very often. When he does, everybody knows about it. When you deal with it, it's between you and him. Amen? See, Proverbs 5.21 reads, For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all his paths. Proverbs 15.3 reads, That the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. See, once again, we find the truth about the Holy Spirit that is both comforting and terrifying. 
To those who have nothing to hide, the lamp of the Lord is great. Man, help me, Lord. Ah, but to those who have many things to hide. You know, they're, they're, they're going off to the sneaky tiki. They're out there doing their shucking and jiving, thinking nobody's looking. Listen, my friend, you have much to fear. Hmm? See, then if that's the case, how should we live? Paul says, uh, I am an open book. See, we have to live openly. I'm in a written epistle. In fact, he says, I'm a written epistle to everybody to read. We should be willing to let everybody into every room of your house. If we're not willing, there's something you're up to. What are you doing? So if we live openly, then all of a sudden, your relationship with the Holy Spirit begins to take a new dimension. However, most people don't like living openly. They're like, you know, I'm a private person. Okay, good. You'll be private by yourself. We're not called to be private. So we have to live honestly, have, have nothing to hide. The Bible says transparent. Transparency has nothing to fear as the Holy Spirit begins to search you out. So it's always best to live as if everybody can see what you're doing. It's always best to live as if you, one day, what you're doing here, if it were exposed, would embarrass you. So you, 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 don't, you act right always. Now, do we always act right? Don't raise your hand. But I always play like this. Lamp of Lord, search me. Cleanse me. Move within me until nothing is hidden and all things are laid out before you. Why? Because I want to deal with me before he deals with me. Don't wait. Take advantage. See, this is when you begin to walk with the Holy Spirit. Don't act, because some people are, you know, fakes and frauds and full-time broads, you know what I'm talking about? And they act all good in front of the pastor. Oh, here comes the pastor leadership. Shine my shoes. <laughs> Comb my hair. Hi, pastor. Oh, God bless you, Sister Chella. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. All in front of people. And that's fine. We want you to be respectful. But that's not what we want. What we want is you to live right by yourself, alone, in your closet, when you're on the street doing your own thing, to live right. See, the Spirit of the Lord. In Isaiah 11, the Spirit, Isaiah talks and he says, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Now, he's speaking about the Messiah. But Isaiah referenced or referred more to the Holy Spirit than any other Old Testament prophet. In this passage, he predicts that the fullness of the Holy Spirit will rest on the Messiah, the shoot that will come up from the stump of Jesse. Now, in those days, Assyria had nearly destroyed Judah, cutting it down. The Assyria and her allies seemed like a mighty fortress, but the Lord promised that he would one day cut them down. The empire would fall and be replaced by a greater one, the worldwide empire of the Messiah. This is going to happen. So you had Judah, Judah comprised of Judah and Benjamin in the south. Then you had the other ten tribes in the north, Dan, Gad, and you can name them all, right? So that, right there, those are the original Sureños and Norteños. <laughs> they were walking around, and they had their camels with bandanas. Ike. So you had the two kingdoms, right? But they're waiting for the Messiah. More importantly, Judah was waiting for the Messiah. Where will he come from? He will be a tiny shoot from the forgotten stump of Jesse, King David, father of David. Now, that, that's where it gets interesting because I just read what King David did. 
He was a murderer, an adulterer. He killed, he lied. He, he broke every commandment there was. This is King David. And God says, out of that stump, the Messiah is going to come from, which blows my mind. Yeah. In fact, he even goes farther. He says, David was a man after my own heart. I go, wait a minute. That, that guy... That no good, conniving, jiving, liar, fornicator, adulterer was a man after his own heart? Why did that happen? How did that happen, God? Why? Because he taught us all how to repent in Psalms 51. See, God understood that we're no good. Like I said earlier, we're so no good, God has to pray for us every day. So he understands that. But what he needed us to learn through King David's failure and through David's obedience, he had, we had to learn how to re repent. Because if we don't repent, you will never, ever know who the Holy Spirit is. Never. You're going to cover it up, hide it, then that's you by yourself. Because God will have nothing to do with that. And here he's talking, the Messiah will come from him. God promised in 2 Samuel chapter 7, a descendant of David would rule over the house of Israel forever. Though it seemed unlikely, God's ultimate ruler would indeed come from Judah, from the very line of David. So Isaiah predicted that Christ would be the branch. Now Christ has come, he's the branch that would bear much fruit. Now, you've got to understand, the scripture also says that Christ was the first fruit. And after Christ, we are the second fruit, right? In fact, in other scriptures, it says, Jesus says, you will do greater things than me. Now, that's really profound. Because he, he said, he didn't say maybe, he said, you, the fruit, the branch, will do greater things than me. Now, my profound and very, very direct question is this. How many of us have done anything greater than Jesus? See, if we have him, then we have not even entered into the promise that Jesus said. And that's not just for me, the people that went to Veti. Veti means nothing. You know, and although, you know, I like education. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. You know, I got two masters and a doctorate. But that means nothing. I mean, all that is paper is camel dung. It's about as good as toilet paper. Because those degrees and those teachings will mean nothing. Because let me tell you, when you come in contact with a demon, he's not going to say, uh, now, did you get your master's in leadership or, 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 or economics or theology? He can ask nothing than that. He, he'll probably pants you. He'll say, well, I want the devil to say, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. And I know you. I'm getting the heck out of here. That is done one way and that's having a relationship with the Holy Spirit a relationship with the Holy Spirit when I came to Colorado Springs Nikki, Nikki takes me in her arm I'm, his, I'm like his son right? I'm with him almost twice three times a month every, all month take me under, on his arm 20 years ago he said Albert no he talks Albert never take for granted the Holy Spirit and I, at the time I go whoa this guy's a trip. What is he talking about? You know, why did he tell me that? Why is he messing with my mind? Right? Now I know. I'm understanding. It's the Holy Spirit that moves in power in mind. It's the Holy Spirit. Hmm? So Isaiah predicted that Christ would come from the branch bearing fruit, a ruler who would prosper and benefit many people. 
Isaiah 11, 2 to 3 predicts that the Spirit of the Lord will rest on Christ. See, and why do I say that? Because the Spirit of the Lord will also rest on those who submit wholly. That's a big difference because people have this uh, misconception that if they come through the door, come down here and say this prayer, oh, uh, I open my heart to Jesus, and now you're saved. And then they, they cry, you know, mocos on the carpet. <laughs> they go through all that mess, right? But that is not, not enough. No, 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 no. See, the Holy Spirit will only dwell with them who have submitted wholly. What do I mean holy? Everything you do revolves around the mission and the call that God has given us. Everything you do. You go to work. Well, yeah, you pay your bills, but you go to work to fund God's work. Huh? You, you might go get a car. I, I hate This is what bugs me there. Pastor, God bless me with the car. He blessed you with the car? Yes. He blessed you with great. Why? 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 Great. Because right now, God wants to use it. We got to go pick up four or five people to come to church. Awesome. Wait, wait. They go, wait, wait. Well, um. Uh, let, me, let me look at my schedule. See, I tell people, look, you don't need God to bless you with a car. You need a job if you want a car. But when you say God blessed you with a car, then you better be ready to give up the keys to the ministry. Or keep it. Don't say that. That's your car. See, but those who are wholly submitted say, yep. In fact, pastor, I didn't just get a car. I got a van because I want to use this for the ministry. Oh, God gave you a car. All of a sudden, your thinking begins to change. Oh, I'm going to get a new house. Get a big living room. Why? Because we want a life group there. Get a backyard so you can have a fellowship with, with tacos, make a barbecue. Why? Because you're going to reach people. Not just so you can live, sit back, kick back, have it made in the shade with lemonade. No, see, when you're submitted wholly, everything you do is surrounded by what God wants you to do. Everything, you, your job, your promotion, your, job, your car, your house, your children. So now, all of a sudden, God said, hey, I got me one. I got me one who's wholly submitted. We got to work with this one. Those other ones, uh, they're faking. They haven't gotten there yet. But this one has got it. Then he begins to work in your life. Begins to work in your life. Begins to work in your life. You begin to change rapidly. Things begin to happen. Amen? See, the Spirit, again, will rest on those who submit wholly. Six attributes in three pairs are used to describe the Holy Spirit. Isaiah begins to describe them. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and power, and the Spirit of knowledge and fear. These six attributes in two pairs. Why are they two pairs? Because the pairs go hand in glove. They belong with each other. You can't have one without the other. It'll be inefficient, ineffective. It won't help you. But when you have the spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and power, spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. The first pair speaks of the Holy Spirit gifts of wisdom and understanding. Wisdom refers to practical insight for living. Practical. Because we live in this world, we have the practical insight. Because, you know, we've all met somebody who's just dumb. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You go, sister, so-and-so, she did what? That chick is always doing something. She is dumb. Or maybe they only got those in Colorado. Or that brother. That brother did what? Man, that brother is stupid. Why did he do that? And you know, you guys say it. You don't say it out loud because you don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. But you think, man, they're always doing something dumb. And I say this. Listen, I'm saying this because that person cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when you're filled with God, the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden you lose your dumbness. <laughs> Hate to say it like that. 
Somebody looking around, he goes, oh, I don't know, man. There's some dumb people around here. Don't, don't look around. Look at me. Look at me. Huh? See, understanding had, has the idea of keen judgment. See, to have both wisdom and understanding, one has insights into the problems of life. The ability to make good decisions to, in response to those problems. See, because as a pastor, I appreciate when people come up to me and say, Pastor, I have this problem. And they want, they want counsel, and I'll give them counsel. I understand that. But eventually, eventually, please, eventually, you got to start making your own decisions. Paul says this. He comes to the church in, in Corinth, and he said, man, you guys should be teaching. You guys should be doing this. And, man, i got to come down here and give you the tetera. i got to put the bottle in your mouth, fill it up with warm milk, and feed your stew. You should be eating meat. You shouldn't be making decisions. You should be doing things for God. And still you're, oh, pastor, oh, pastor, oh, help me. Eventually, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that's got to stop. Why? Because you got to grow up. Because if you don't grow up, then we won't have time for the new babies that really need help. And it's always the same person. They just suck the life out of you. And then after church, you're all sucked up like you've been on crack for 10 years. What happened? Oh, you know that dummy? She came around. Suck the life out of me. Help a brother out. Are you with me? So you have to have some wisdom and understanding. See, Jesus, example, remember, she came up to the woman in the well and she's drinking water, right? And Jesus looked at the water, but he didn't look at the obvious. Never look at the obvious. He looked, he said, wait a minute, this woman, I know what she wants. He goes, you're thirsty, but I got some water. It's better than that. You never thirst again. She, what are you talking about? He began to explain uh, God. He goes, oh, no, no, I can't do that. Why? Why? Because I'm a Samaritan. They're Jews. You know, we're, we're prejudiced, and we don't get along. See, that's not your problem. He was getting past the problem, what you need. He goes, no, 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 no. God doesn't care about where you came from, what color you are. He don't care if you're black, white, jalapeno. He don't, give a, he don't care about all of that. He is just looking, to look at the heart. And so he went, we went past the prejudices. He went past who she was. She goes, I know who you are. You had five wives. And in fact, the dude you're shacked up with now is not even your husband. That, and he didn't even address that problem. Let's get past that problem. That's not your problem. He goes, you want to worship God. And those who worship God worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what you need. See, when you have the Spirit of God, you get past the, the crying, sniveling uh, church member. You go, that's not your problem. Well, let's get back. This is your problem. You need to learn how to worship God. You need to get a hold of God. You need to go get on the throne of God. Right? Because, you know, people say, well, I haven't been dealt with you. Listen, my friend, Jesus died on the cross. He's already dealt with everything. You just got to be open to it. Just say, okay, God, everything. Because I was messed up. You know, man, we were smoking PCP and doing dope. We were kids, right? Young kids, man. Fifth, I OD'd on Reds at sixth, sixth grade. I OD'd on Reds. They dropped me off. George Baca, what a dude, man. He, he dropped me off on my porch. You know, George. He dropped me off on the porch for dead. OD'd. Woke up, came up. Said, whoa, that was heavy. <laughs> uh, so my mind shouldn't be here. 
But when God came into my life, Pastor Stephen said, I changed radically. Because I know when God got a hold of me, I didn't know if I was getting my senses back. I didn't know where I was going to come. God got a hold of my mind and reorganized it. Put it in the right spot. Huh? I did too much stuff. That's what happens. God comes in when you're walking with the Holy Spirit. See, I pray always, Lord, without you, I'm a lost child. Wandering through the streets. Send your spirit to show me the way I should go. Because I, I ain't that confident to know what to do. I used to think I was confident. I, 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 got, I, got, I, got, I, I got this. Uh-uh. I don't know. Uh-uh. I done, I done, done bump my head. And I'm talking about after getting saved. You know what I'm saying? I said, oh, my God, why did I say that? They're all after me. I learned something. The second pair speaks of the Holy Spirit's gifts of counsel and power. The spirit of counsel and power. See, this, this speaks of the moral insight in heroic purpose. Isaiah 9, 6, he says that the Holy Spirit will be called a wonderful counselor. Matthew 7, 28 through 29 tells us when Jesus spoke that the crowd were amazed because he taught as one who had authority. Now, you've got to understand, Jesus was not a, a, a rabbi. Uh, he, was just, he was just a boy raised up by Joseph and Mary, and, 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 and he learned a trade. He was actually a blue-collar worker like most of us here. They know no uppities here, right? If you're, if you're here, you're welcome. We need you. Pay your tithes. But, I don't know. but he's been like the rest of us. We're just blue-collar workers. You know, he was a carpenter. And, and back then, he, he was a carpenter. They didn't have, you know, power tools. They didn't have no, no, no Makitas or, or Porter Cable or, or Bosch. No, no, no. Old school, better get that tree and make it work. That's all he did. But after work, he would talk to people. They go, man, this dude right here is heavy. He's talking like, like he knows stuff. Like he has authority. Right? They were amazed at him. See, we often think of Christ's power solely in those terms as miracles. You know, healing the sick, which he did. Casting out demons, which he did. Making the lame walk, raising the dead, which he did. But there are other kinds of power besides those spectacular miracles. One time Jesus was in a crowd bigger than this. And it says when, they, when the authorities came, he began to walk through the crowd and nobody recognized him. He got cloaked. He's like, a, he like a, 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 a changer, you know, a shape changer. And he walked the crowd and nobody recognized him. Right? See, you don't even recognize me. <laughs> Power. He had that ability. Right? It's like this. Do you ever wonder why people in Victoria go to the worst places and they're safe? Think about that. It's not like we're bad. We always try to get proud. Oh, I grew up in the neighborhood, man. Nothing afraid of nothing, man. Shoot. I, we, you know, we get, and that's all pride. I, went, I was in Cape Town. And we went to the, uh, knows, we went to a, a ghetto there called Colorado Park. And there was about 30, 40 guys. I remember we pulled off, right, and James jumped out. I go, what are you going to do? He's going to talk to the main guy. Because if we don't get his approval, we're in trouble. And I've been in a lot of neighborhoods. But I, I looked around, and there was all these guys looking at us, and every one of them were packing. I go, what the heck did he bring his hair for? That was the only time I've ever been really, like, I'm afraid. I told Jose, Jose, I, we've come to Africa to die. <laughs> I said, this is it, man. We're, we're dead, man. We're dead. And James came back. 
It's cool. I go, what do you mean it's cool? He goes, he said, we're cool. Nobody will touch you. Boy, I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Right? How does that happen? That's power. That's, an, that, that's the anointing that we are under. You don't take that for granted like we're from the neighborhood. No, 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 no. That is the anointing that came down from, from, from Pastor Sonny to Pastor Steve. That's come down through us, and that's our anointing to work in power. That's, that's not because of your relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's because of their relationship with the Holy Spirit. So we, and we, if we're going to continue it, some of us have to continue that relationship with the Holy Spirit. To pass it on. Huh? See, the, the same Holy Spirit who gave Christ such awesome power, some, such awesome courage, now dwells in us. If he dwells in us. So I always pray, Spirit of God, fill me with your power so that I may speak when I need to speak and be silent when nothing more needs to be said. Last pair, knowledge of fear. Knowledge and fear of the Lord. This relates to knowing God and doing His will. Knowledge refers to understanding or, of God and His eternal purposes of the world. That's different. You've got you to really look at this. We are inundated. We're always fed this. God wants to bless you, and He does. Okay, but you got to stay with me. God's going to do this, blah, blah, blah. We have this list. And it becomes a man-centered gospel. In other words, and you even have, oh, God, if you were the only one on earth, God would have died for you. Lie. Right? And we, and we bite that. Now, listen to me. Here's the, f- the fact. God had a plan. We just got to be grateful that we're a part of it. So, see, it's not man-centered. It is a God-centered gospel. God had a purpose in the foundation of the earth to do something, right? He had this plan, and as a part of the plan, he created Adam, the perfect, imperfect man. Why? Because he needed man to rebel, be perverted, be all those things that were coming out of. Why? So that he could redeem us, and we would freely submit to his rule. It's a, it's a God-centered purpose. Not a man-centered purpose. That's where you get all the name and claim. Oh, God will bless you. If you serve and you do, you got to give you a Cadillac and he'll do all this and that. No, 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 no. That's not how you do it. If you put God in the center, God will take care of you. But God has to be in the center. The other way, you're in the center as if God is a genie. Listen, God is not a genie. He's God. Are you with me? You still love me? See, to know God is to get enter into a deep, intimate personal relationship with him deep 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 I desire to do your will oh my God and your law is written within my heart deep that thing that word intimate comes from the Hebrew word yada yada is the same word that the Bible uses when Adam knew his wife yada intimate there is a deep relation so God has to literally, the Holy Spirit has to literally come to you and impregnate you. See, that picture we see come to uh, uh, fruition is when God impregnated Mary. Why? He impregnated Mary with his vision. Jesus was the first fruit, 
We were the second fruit. That was part of the vision. Why? Because he had a plan to raise up a people that would worship him in the spirit and truth. So he impregnates Mary. She was willing. 14-year-old girl. Then God, the Holy Spirit, has to impregnate you with a vision. And many people come to church not with the vision of God. They come to church with their personal vision. They walk in church. Oh, God, I need a husband. I got three kids, and I need a good working husband. Oh, God, I'm a lonely man. And your Bible said it is not good for a man to be alone. If that's you, you should be single all your life. Amen? No. We come in here for God's purpose. And then when you're coming down for God's purpose, you let God take care of you. And God may bring you a wife. I hope he does. Great. But that's not why you come here. You may need some help raising your kids. And that, we're cool with that too. But that's not why you come here. We come here for God and God only. We come here. To, and why? Why do I preach this? Because when I came to Hayward, California, Pastor Steve got me pregnant. I got impregnated with the vision of reaching the lost. I got impregnated with the vision of getting souls. I got impregnated of going all over the world, reaching treasures out of darkness. So I can't help it. I go all over the world. I go, to, I go, they go, why are you traveling to Indonesia? What about your own church? I go to Indonesia. I go to Europe. I go to Africa. I go to Panama. I'm going everywhere, right there. I'm going everywhere. Why do you do this? It's not my fault. It's your dad's fault. He done impregnated me. I've seen him go everywhere. Right? Everywhere. He would go, and I'd work like a Hebrew slave. Because Pastor Steve didn't just work you. He worked you. And then when you were done, he worked you again. And when you were done, time to work. Pastor Steve would come back from overseas with an ideal, and I'd come back with another job. Pastor Steve's coming back. You guys ready? I'll tell the guy. You guys ready? Pastor Steve's coming back. Well, well yeah, yeah. Well, you know what that means. What, what, what? Well, he's going to do something, and we're going to have to work like Hebrew slave. You ready? But that was my deal. Hey, Pastor. Huh? I told my wife one day. I was living on White Road. That was Pastor's house, and then he moved out, and I took it over, and I moved in, and that's what happened. I should have never moved in that house. I don't know. Think about it. Slept in his bedroom, jacked me all up. Right? He moved out, right? And I go in there, and I come back. I go, Debbie, man. Something happened last night. Because I had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. What happened? The Holy Spirit said, you are going to be that man's slave. Yeah. All right? My wife remembers. I said, whoa, that's heavy, God. But if that's what you want, to the day he died, I would do anything for that man. It didn't matter. Anything. Not because of him, although I loved Pastor Steve, not because of him, because God says, this is what you're going to do. So I always pray, God, fill me with your power that I may know when to speak and to do what you've called me to do. See, because Jesus didn't come to earth with his own personal agenda. And what God had to do was to rid me of my agenda. 
I was, um, gosh, I was, I was, before it was 91, I got licensed. So this is like the year before 90. They were um, having an election in, in Union City. And, and my wife, and I, and I tell Pastor, I go, Pastor, I'm going to run for mayor of, of Union City. He goes, and you know, I guess sometimes he's just, yeah, 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 okay, go ahead, go ahead. I, said, I could I run mayor. He goes, yeah, go ahead. So I said, cool. And I wanted to, right? So I, I called my dad, because my dad knew everybody. You know how my dad was. He knew everybody. He called the fire chief. He called the police chief. He even called Kitayama. Kitayama was like the mayor forever, right? And he called him and said, hey, my son wants to run for mayor. And so he was like backing these people up, getting in my, in my corner. And then I had Richard Contreras. Now, if you know Richard, he could sell an Eskimo an ice cube in, in Alaska. You know what I mean? He could. He was like, oh, God, this is a good one. This guy talk, right? So he was going to be my camping manager. We're ready to go. Dun, 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 dun. So I'm making phone calls. I tell my dad. My dad's ecstatic, right? He was all, oh, my mijo is going to be that, right? And so I'm getting ready to run. And then I guess it got back to Pastor Steve what we were doing, right? And he goes, hey, Al, what are you doing? I go, running for mayor. He goes, well, who said you could do that? I go, you did. He goes, I did? He goes, yeah. He goes, oh, I changed my mind. I go, what? He goes, I changed my mind. No, 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 don't, don't run from here. I said, okay. So I walk, I come home to my wife. I go, Deborah, guess what Pastor Steve did? What? He said, don't run from here. Only thing I was thinking of was my dad. I go, oh, my dad's going to be mad. Because he already called his friends, and I go, oh, man, that's a bummer. So I called dad, hey, dad, I, I decided not to run from here. What for? I just told him, made a bit of a story. Oh, I can't, you know, I have, uh, I just, I never, Try to put Pastor Steve in any in any jeopardy. I just oh, I decided I think it was a good thing, and he was all all messed up. See, but I was listening to the Holy Spirit. About six months later, ninety one comes. We're on, we're on Western Avenue. Pastor Steve says, "Oh, come here." I go, "Oh no!" Every time he goes, "Come here," I'm in trouble or I got to work. Most of the time, I was in trouble. Like every week, Josie would put me in the in trouble room. <laughs> I was always getting rebuked. So if you're getting rebuked all the time, be of good cheer. You might become a pastor, amen? <laughs> so he goes, come here. And I go, oh, man. I go to his office. I go, what's up, pastor? He goes, just like this. <laughs> I want you to be my AP. And that was it. You know, when I got called of God, I thought like the angels would come from heaven. Ooh, the light would shine. My hair would flow back. <laughs> no, I thought like something dramatic would happen. And it wasn't like, he goes, I want you to be my AP. And so, you know, me, I said, okay. Well, all right, whatever you want, Pastor. Is that it? He goes, yeah. And I walked out. And then, stupid, I'm just kind of dumb. I walked out of the office and I go, wait a minute. I come back in. I go, Pastor, I got one question. He goes, what? What does an AP do? <laughs> that was it. I go, what, what does it mean? He just said, just keep doing what you're doing. Why? See, that lesson is this. You work not for the title. The title finds you. You don't find it. So you should be a pastor before you're a pastor. You should be an evangelist before an evangelist. See, it'll find you. If you're fellowship with the Holy Ghost, what you do in your gifting, the call will find you. You don't have to go look for it. What's my call? Just work like a Hebrew slave and your call will find you. People say, well, I got I to gotta raise 50 uh, um, credits in Vetti. I know people got 50 credits in Vetti, wouldn't know the Bible from, from, a, a, uh, from Mark Twain. 
and I, you know, I'm, I'm saying something here. It's more than that. Like I said, I love education, two masters and a doctorate. But you know what? That don't mean nothing. You got to work for your calling. You don't study for your calling. You work for your calling. Now, you study because God puts it in you, but you work for your calling. I'm going to close. Amen. I'm not like Pastor Steve. I only close once. Jesus says this, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So he came to fulfill God's will. This is Jesus' prayer with his disciples just hours before he was, he was arrested here in John 17, 4. Knowing, again, knowing God's will is one thing, doing it is something else. The best motivation, and that's the last characteristic of the three pairs, the best motivation to completely do God's will is found in the fear of the Lord. The fear is to respect him. Respect. Huh? Fear him. Respect means we adjust our words. We adjust our thoughts and deeds to please our God. We fear him. Now, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I am terrified of the Holy Spirit. I am. See, some people say, oh, God. Why don't you come to the altar and I want to feel your presence, right? And when I I go, not me, uh-uh, no. I'll enjoy the commune with the brothers and sisters and our worship and singing, and that's a good thing. But me, see, the Bible says that no one has seen God and lived. I've encountered the presence of God, really, four times in 33 years. One time, we're on um, our condo there on Rain Tree Court. The first time, was in my bedroom in Dakota, 33652 4th Street, never forget, right there. Second time was in our own condo on Ray, uh, Rain Tree Court. And the third time was I was driving to New United Motors, now it's Tesla, right? I'm driving in my truck. I had a, a nice old Nissan, 4x4, driving, going to work. And I was negotiating with God about my call. Because he wanted me to do something, he wanted me to sell everything, and I wanted, I wanted to keep a little something, something. So I said, God, you know, let me keep a little sum-sum. And I'll give you this, and I'll, I, I promise, because I was making money. And when I got sale, I was making $9,000 a month. This is over 30 years ago. Legal. No dope. Legal. Right? So I'm saying, oh, man, he's sell this. Sell this. I ended up living on, on Myrtle, and right down the street in that supernatural house. Oh, it was awful. We had two and a half bedrooms. Half of them was a bedroom with Johnny and his brother... They couldn't even put a full-size bed and walk around it. It was just a little tiny room. They were in there. And my kids, my baby, when she was born, we had no room for a crib because the back room was discipleship room. And I had eight no um, disciples in the making that I wanted to stab, but I couldn't stab because I got saved, right? And then in my bedroom, we had a dresser, and the bottom dresser drawer was my baby's crib. And here I am. I had started making nine grand. I'm down to that. I said, God. Look, I done, did, I done sold this property. I done sold that property. I got rid of everything. Come on, give a brother a break. Let me just make some deals. I was in the real estate. Let me make deals, and I can keep doing this. I'll give, you know, 50-50. I'm, I'm, this is how I'm talking, because I didn't really understand God. 50-50, that's a good deal, dude. <laughs> I mean, you're just sitting up there. I'm down here. Because I, I, I really was naive. I was very naive back then. I knew, you know, it's reach, but I was naive to God. I was really naive. And I'm having negotiating, and it, no, and I, I can know, he ain't going for it. 60-40? And then finally he got tired of me, like, shut up. 
and he jumped in my truck, and, it, and I drove off the road in front of Numi into the big field into a ditch. Boom! I drove into the road, and I, I couldn't see nothing. It was just dark, just clouded. I'm like, okay, okay. I give. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to negotiate. Okay, I'll do anything you want. And as soon as he knew that I meant it in my heart, poof, the road opened up. I seen there's, there's, there's a factory, the front gates to my right. I go, whoa, that is heavy, man. What's going on? And then right away, you're thinking, think, you're thinking, I'm thinking, man, I done took too much window pane acid. That's the first thing I thought. I'm, I'm, I did too much drugs. I'm, well, what's going on with me? What, what, is, what, is happen- what, you, what is happening to me? I was tripping. And the Holy Spirit said, you're getting to know me. Huh? And he gave me his fear. His fear. So I, I believe that is what's lacking today. People don't fear God. And I'm praying that everyone here gets a little added dose of the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord will make sure you do His will. Go ahead, give the Lord a hand of praise. We, if we take these six descriptions together, we have a picture of a mountain-moving disciple. See, disciples have the ability to understand the problems of life. Disciples know how to make wise decisions to help others. Disciples speak in such a way that others want to listen. Disciples show heroic grace under pressure. Disciples know how God, rather, know God deeply and intimately. Disciples strive to please God in all that he or she does, everything. God promised to send a man who would perfectly control, be perfectly controlled by the Spirit of God. So God sent his son. And in the same respect, the same manner, in like manner, God sends you. Sends you. Sends you. And those same attributes of the Spirit of God will rest on those who say, okay, I'll go. So when you say, yes, I'll do it, that doesn't mean everybody's going to sent out. No, 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 no. On the contrary, very few does God really pull out. The vast majority stay here and do but you know what I'm talking about. The spirit in you understands what I'm saying. Spirit speaking to spirit. Jesus came in the power of the Holy Spirit. So must every believer. We must come and go in the power of the Holy Spirit. He lived in the power. We could do the same. He died and rose again in the power of the Holy Spirit. That same power that raised Jesus from the grave gives you the grace the power gives you all you need to pick up your cross daily and follow him. There's no excuse. Sin has no excuse. Repentance understands that. Jesus set the example. He showed us what God is like. He also showed us what it means to be fully dependent on the power of the Spirit. So I pray Lord Jesus, may I never take your blessings for granted or feel that I have advanced so far that sin cannot touch me. Lest what happened to others should also happen to me. Lamp of Lord, search me, cleanse me, move within me until nothing is hidden and all things are laid out before you. 
Lord, without you, I'm like a child wandering through the streets. Send your spirit to show me which way I should go. Spirit of God, fill me with your power so that I may speak when I need to speak and be silent when nothing more needs to be said. Father, I thank you for giving me such a clear example of the spirit-filled life. Help me today to follow in Jesus' steps. Amen. If the Holy Spirit spoke.